Welcome to Canucks Central at Night. Bring you the extra post-game coverage you need. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. What's going on, Vancouver? It is Canucks Central at Night. Hope you guys are doing well. Roger Shurgill with you. Alongside Josh Elliott-Wolf. We are back on the airwaves. It's been a long time, but... We're back at it today here for Canucks Central at night following a victory for your Vancouver Canucks 3-1. You heard the call earlier today on these very airways, your official home of the Vancouver Canucks Sportsnet 650. Uh, a win for your Vancouver Canucks, however, midway through the game. Uh, some bad news as well. The team officially eliminated from playoff contention. The Montreal Canadiens needed just one point to clinch a playoff spot. They do that in the process, eliminating the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. And they were able to do that today despite a loss in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers. Josh, how are you? Hope you enjoyed uh, the game as well. Uh, a, a big victory for the Canucks and a big night for Niels Hoaglander as well. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was kind of the story of the game was Niels Hoaglander and what he did for the Canucks as well as Thatcher Demko who... I don't know. I I think he may have been overshadowed a bit by Hoaglander, but he also did what Thatcher Demko does on a regular basis, it seems like, and kind of stole the game a little bit. But Niels Hoaglander, I I do think there was a bit of a a wall that he hit earlier in the season, but he's kind of broken through that wall now, and he's back to what we saw at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you know, and, and that's to be expected for rookies. I mean, that's kind of exactly how their their years go, right? It's always a little bit hit and miss, but the the pace and everything that he is on this year for the Vancouver Canucks, I think it's been very spectacular to see, yet it's one of the, the lone bright spots on the season. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, share your thoughts. Uh, or We will you know, read as many texts of yours as we possibly can uh, uh, over the course of the entire show. We are with you until... 11 p.m. Want to get your thoughts on the biggest disappointment for you this season and also the biggest uh, bright spot when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Josh, there's so many, so many different ways to go about this, right? Like you don't really, the, the season obviously never started off all that great for the Canucks and you can look at the you know even prior to the season beginning with Tyler Toffoli and Troy Stetcher and and everybody departing, um, but for you, what's the biggest disappointment as the season really started for the Vancouver Canucks? I gotta say, I I mean the whole the whole beginning of the season was a little bit tough, um, and, and they really put themselves behind the eight ball, and obviously they were not able to get back out in front of that eight ball, but. I got to say, throughout the season, and I want to preface this by saying I still think he's going to be a really good player, and I still think he is a very good player right now, but I think Quinn Hughes not taking another step has been my biggest disappointment. And obviously, you look at the point totals, and those are all super great, and and I don't think he's, he's a bad defenseman at all. I still think he's a top-pairing defenseman even right now. But I think a lot of people coming into this season 
thought that he was going to be a little bit better than he he's shown, especially defensively. He's had his issues there. I know that's not his strong suit in general, but I thought there was going to be a little more of a step, and maybe after the season comes out, we'll we'll hear a little bit more about whether or not he's been fighting through an injury or if the season has been especially tough for him. But I I just thought we might see a little bit more from Quinn Hughes on the back end, and, and maybe it's a sophomore slump. Maybe I'm just overthinking it because I ex- I just had these astronomical expectations for him. But aside from the general start to the season, that's what I would have to go with. The thing with Quinn Hughes and his game, I think, is that we saw so much hype, I guess, after his 53-point campaign last season. And for the most part, he kept that offensive production up this year, right? I mean, he was he scored 36 points in, in, in just 50 games uh, so far. Uh, and, and I don't think that's including tonight. I'm just looking at, at, looking at his stat line right now. And I don't think anybody is going to look at him from an offensive point of view and say that it was a bad season. But I kind of agree with you in the sense that it was, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, because you're right. Like, you know, we so often forget that it was just the the second year for Quinn Hughes. And and even for a guy like Elias Pettersson, it's only his third season in the NHL. There's still young players adapting to the National Hockey League. Sometimes we forget that. Um, But at the same time... uh, I, I'm kind of on the same boat with you. I agree that there was something to Quinn Hughes' game on the defensive side of the puck that, to me, felt a little different than last season. I don't know exactly just by watching the eye test, and, and I'm definitely not really an analytics guy per se, so I, I don't know how those numbers really would support if Quinn Hughes is, you know, how he played in his own end compared to last season. They're but not it, good. It just, it just seemed like it just seemed like this year it was a a complete 180 from what we saw last year in the defensive end, right? Whether he was getting walked by other players uh, on the opposing team or whether he was just quite simply losing his check behind the net and or sorry in front of the net. And a lot of people will will look at Quinn Hughes's defensive partner and whoever that was during the season, whether that is Jordy Ben or a Travis Hamannick or whoever it might be, and and sort of say, well, look who he's playing with. But I think the kinds of mistakes that he's made, Josh, are mistakes that are more sort of focused only on a, a matchup type role, like where Quinn Hughes is losing his particular player, right? He is getting walked by another teammate or, or another op- opposition. It's not necessarily zone type mistakes where it has to do with, uh, you know, systems or the, or unable to get the puck out or, you know, relying too much on your defensive partner. It, it, they're kind of, you know, mistakes that are, are just focused on Hughes, I feel like. Definitely. And it's tough because you look at last year and, and, he was paired with one of arguably the best defensive defensemen in the league, and maybe that did make up for a lot of shortcomings that he had defensively and put him in better positions than he's been put in this year. But yeah, you're right. I think there's been a lot of situations where it's been Quinn Hughes missing an assignment or it's been him just him just missing his man. And that's why when I say earlier, I think there might be something injury-wise and and. Obviously, we'll have no idea until the end of the season. And he still had a really good season, but I just wonder if there's something maybe going on with his skating or something lower body because he hasn't really looked as dynamic as he did last year. But 
that being said, it is his second season. I do think he's going to figure it out. But if you had to point to something that's a little disappointing, and yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, but it didn't really meet my expectations for what I had for him this season. I think a similar point of view on that is, is Elias Pedersen, is it not? Right? Because for me personally, I thought uh, Elias Pedersen was going to take another step this year. And listen, Elias Pedersen played pretty well. He struggled out of the gate, but who did it on the Vancouver Canucks? But he was able to, you know, pick up his game. Uh, and obviously the injury happened and we never really got to see much of him down the stretch. But overall, when he played, he he played kind of like the Pedersen we were used to for the most part. But I think I expected him to take another step forward as well, right? Really sort of cement himself with the top players in the league. Uh, and, and that never happened this year. And and that's not, and you're right, like how you mentioned it, that's maybe, maybe disappointment isn't the right word because perhaps our expectations are too high, right? That happens quite often where, where, you know, media or fans or even the player themselves will put a little too much expectation on somebody. Uh, and, and that just turns out to be, you know, the, the wrong type of expectation to have, you that player isn't, you know, that capable of doing something. So, you know, sometimes that falls on the people that are actually putting these expectations on the players. But I think personally, it wasn't only me. It was a lot of people that really expected Pedersen to take another step. And it was a similar situation in that regard, right? Um, I, I think that's, it's not a question mark, Josh, because, you know, with Brock Besser, we saw great strides this year. There was no question marks really with him. Uh, JT Miller, similar uh, a similar situation, obviously off the ice is a little bit different. I guess this year the questions popped up, but I guess the the great thing about about this Canucks team is you know what you have about with all of these players. You know what you have in Hughes. You know what you have in Pedersen and Horvat and Miller and Besser and all of those kinds of guys. Um, I think you just have to wait until next year and, and really see once you get more talent surrounding your top players, what they can actually do. Yeah, exactly. Which and I feel like these conversations always go back to it, but that, that kind of falls on management, right? And I think that's why a lot of fans are so frustrated is because they they know that Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and the the surrounding cast of Brock Besser, uh, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, they know that these guys have elite talent and they show these these streaks of being really special players, but then... It, they're just not really surrounded with the the right guys to really put them over the top. And so maybe as this team develops next year, the years after, as some of these bloated contracts start to come off the books, we'll see the real potential of Pedersen and Hughes. And, and when you look at Pedersen's play, yeah, this year it maybe wasn't the step you wanted him to take, but now we know for sure that he was he was going through an injury himself. And, and hopefully next year he comes back and we kind of see that lethal – Elias Pettersson that we've grown so accustomed to in his first couple of years in Vancouver. And and who knows, maybe that, that means good things for the contract as well, because right. he isn't able to rack up points this year and, and really put himself in another tier as far as, as far as how much he's going to get paid. It always comes down to money, doesn't it? Always. Especially here in Vancouver. I, I want to address this one text. Why do you keep talking about Troy Stetcher? Departing, he was a minus three with Detroit, no threat offensively, scoring limited to a shot that bounces uh, of a couple of players that finds its way in. Um, I agree with this text. Uh, I, I mentioned Troy Stetcher's name there when talking about players that departed. 
heard it, and I sort of used him in the same category of a Tyler Toffoli. I agree with you, Texter. I just happened to say Troy Stetcher's name because, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about players that departed, and, and you know, obviously is one of them. But I agree that the Canucks this year, and I've seen this take all over Twitter, uh, you know, not necessarily now, but just throughout the season, like, the Canucks defense took a hit, and people that they, you know, people pointed towards losing Troy Stetcher as part of that, that's, in my opinion, just completely untrue, right? You replaced him with Travis Hamannick. Hamannick had a pretty good season, uh, and he's very likely a, a top candidate to come back this year. Uh, I, I agree. Troy Stetcher is somebody that, uh, you know, obviously, because he's from here and because uh, he's got a great relationship with the fans and he continues to sort of show that on social media, uh, people love him, and rightfully so, man. Like, you don't have a lot of players that, you know, bleed blue and green all the time for you. But from a pure hockey skill point of view, I think that uh, we kind of do got to move off of uh, Troy Stetcher just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it is Roger Shergill and Josh Elliott Wolf with you. Sportsnet 650, the official home of the Canucks. Um, what's the biggest disappointment for you this season? I'll share mine in a little bit as well, but I don't want to keep it all uh, so somber, Josh. I want to also talk about the you know highlights this season and, and what's been the, the biggest bright spot for Vancouver. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your thoughts in. Um, for me, I think the biggest bright spot is obviously the the development of two really key players and and that's Nils Hoglander who obviously we talked about off the top of the show two goals tonight uh and also goaltender Thatcher Demko definitely uh yeah I kind of have to agree with that I guess I guess I could add a couple more um Brock Besser showing that he is he he is closer to what we saw in his rookie season I would say this is probably better than his rookie season, honestly. Oh, yeah. He's and cool. like, we're not worried about the shot anymore, are we? Exactly. That was the always the main concern for the past couple of years is whether or not that back injury would play a long-term factor on his shot. But this year, he's shown that it's back. And he's not only gotten that back, but he also has the defensive play he added in the past couple of years as well. And he, he's just overall seems to be a better, well-rounded player and Hopefully with Elias Pettersson and a full season next year, he'll be able to pass that 30 goal mark that he got so close to in his rookie season. And obviously in a shortened year this year would not be able to pass, but that I would say is one of the other bright spots. And lately uh, the guy everyone's been talking about, Jack Rathbone looks like he's, he's like a mini Hughes, I guess not many as in size because Hughes is already kind of a mini Hughes, but Rathbone is like a huge light where he he may not be as dynamic, but he looks to be a legit offensive threat from the back end. There was, uh, I think it was last game, Tyler Myers and uh, Tyler Myers and and Jack Rathbone were sort of on the ice together, and I was like, wow, that guy is short, or Tyler Myers is like looking extra tall, and uh, he Jack Rathbone isn't even isn't even very short. But he just looked like so many compared to, to, to Tyler Myers. But you're right about that. Like one thing that really surprised me about Jack Rathbone, listen, everybody knew that he is going to come in and, and going to be a a uh, a player that is decent in his own end. He's still going to be learning the game in the NHL level. 
but he's got a good shot. He's good in the offensive zone. I don't know if I should have been, but I was a little surprised at how well of a skater he was and, and really how well-rounded his defensive game is, right? He he looks confident when he plays. And, and today's game, Josh, skating is such a big part of, of really being a, a player, a complete player in the National Hockey League. If you can skate, you can figure else, everything else out as well. And and Jack Rathbone had, really has that part of his game down. And, and if you look at the Vancouver Canucks blue line, and obviously... You know, it's still not anywhere near perfect. Their defense had massive issues uh, this season. It was a big part of why they kind of, you know, started slow out of the gates. Their defense just wasn't up to speed. But speaking about speed and speaking about skating, they've got some pretty good skaters on that blue line. Nate Schmidt is a is a great skater. Uh, Tyler Myers obviously can skate as well. We know about Quentin Hughes. And now you're adding guys like Jack Rathbone to the mix as well. I kind of like where the Canucks blue line is heading, but we'll see how they can, you know, address this kinds of these kinds of holes that they have in the offseason. Continue to get your thoughts in 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll read as many texts as we can, and we'll continue breaking down the Vancouver Canucks' victory tonight here on Canucks Central at night. It is Roger Shergill. It is Josh Elliott-Wolf. Keep it tuned. You're on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is Canucks Central at night, giving you even more time to break down the game. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the show, 10.03. It's Roger Shurga with you. It is Josh Elliott Wolf with me. It is Sportsnet 650, the official home of your Vancouver Canucks. Canucks Central at night is the name of this program. 650-650 if you want to get in touch with us. Also, tweet us at Sportsnet650. I am at share underscore Raja. That is S-H-E-R underscore R-A-J-A. He is at Elliot Wolf J. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Asking you guys, what's the biggest disappointment this season for the Vancouver Canucks? Gary saying, Benning not able, Benning not able and unable to do what he should have done cost us a chance at the playoffs. What was good was Niels Hoaglander and Jack Rathbone. I think a lot of people, Gary, are going to agree with that. And and Josh, you and I have spent a long time on on these very airwaves. And- Trust me, Canucks fans on Twitter have, have almost gone to war speaking about these kinds of things and, and what's gone on with Jim Benning. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this offseason. Obviously, I think from an executive you know, staff point of view, Travis Green is the first name that everybody's thinking about, what's going to happen with him. But, you know, uh, we, we talked about Troy Stetcher there a little bit, one of the guys that departed. Josh, uh, I don't know if the... You know, you could argue whether the Canucks got better or worse in this offseason. And I've said this many times before, right, Josh? The the thing is, they never got, they never made that much of a difference in any direction, right? They, it, they never got that much better. They never got that much worse. But the way they played was significantly worse. So I don't know if I would put this specifically only on Jim Benning. Did he make the team a whole lot better? No. But they still came out of the gates extremely flat. And to me, that's extremely disappointing. Definitely, and I don't know if I will put that on on coaching or or kind of where it goes. I think it's just a just an overall the organization 
including the players, weren't really ready at the beginning of the season. And then I mentioned it earlier, but from there you have to play catch up and and it's it's just a lot to expect them to be able to claw their way back into the playoffs when they had such a such a difficult start and then you tie in the whole COVID situation and and it's a really big hill to climb. But yeah, we've talked a lot about what happened this offseason, this past offseason and and talking about Jim Benning and what he's done is like some of my favorite uh one of my favorite activities. But it this past offseason yeah, yeah, exactly. This past offseason I think you're right. They didn't really get a lot better, but they didn't really get a lot worse. And obviously the loss of Tyler Toffoli hurts up front, but you kind of offset it because you added Nate Schmidt on the back end. And I don't know if Schmidt has been, all he's been cracked up or all he was hyped up to be, but I still think he's been the best defenseman on the team this season, in my opinion. And I think he's been well worth a third round pick. I mean, he's probably, (laughs) he's probably a first round talent, but it, it's the trade execution was great, but as far as the personnel on the roster, I think the overall talent is is pretty similar to where it was last year. They're just underperforming in general. Well, it's odd because I think you ask a lot of people, would you rather have kept Tyler Toffoli or Nate Schmidt, right? If you had to choose one, and the Canucks essentially did have to choose one, right? There's a lot of talk about them signing Jake Furtan and, and, and not being able to buy out Brandon Sutter, and that's ultimately what let Tyler Toffoli walk. Well, yes, that is true. The Canucks would have liked to still make a way for Tyler Toffoli to fit. But once they brought in a player like Nate Schmidt, I feel like that they were a lot better. They were a little bit happier to say that, okay, we lost the guy up front, but that is a little bit easier to replace than adding a defenseman of the caliber of Nate Schmidt. So I think if you had asked a lot of people, they would have said that, yeah, I would rather have Nate Schmidt on my team to, to really bolster the blue line. And even if even if you say, Josh, that, you know, Nate Schmidt's been the best defenseman of the Canucks, which I happen to agree with, he still hasn't had the impact that Tyler Toffoli had this year with the Montreal Canadiens scoring 28 goals. He's got 44 points. Uh, he, he's been one of the best signings of the offseason in the entire National Hockey League. Uh, and, and that really hurts, I think, if you're a Canucks fan. And it makes Jim Benning look a lot worse, especially the fact that he signed for less money than I think a lot of people anticipated. Definitely. Yeah, it's and it's kind of been beaten to death by this point, but it's it's probably going to go down as one of the the biggest mistakes that were made by this management team. Um, and again, it, we talk about hey, they chose they chose Schmidt over Toffoli, and and we compare it to Vertanen. Even though I do think it was Schmidt over Toffoli and not not related to Vertanen, I think that was a separate move. But in the end, it it, it comes down to. There, there should have been enough room to fit all of those guys in and it not be an issue. But because mm-hmm. they, they had signed so many bad contracts previously, they put themselves in that position. Uh, we got a text in the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650 about the biggest disappointment and highs of the season. So the biggest disappointment for this unsigned texter, sign your text, please. Uh, biggest disappointment has been Hughes. So agreeing with what I mentioned earlier. He also mentions he's really liking Demko, Besser, Hoaglander, and lately Matthew Highmore. Um, and I, I, I want to talk about Highmore a bit. Uh, Texter says he's Mott 2.0. I, I don't know. Like, he's had the energy and he's had 
the kind of relentlessness I guess that Mott has, but I don't know if he has the 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 talent level that Tyler Mott has. Even though he's not a uh, an exceptionally talented player, I think Mott still has a little bit of skill, and he he's I would say he's really really good defensively. I don't know if Highmore has that, yeah. but he does have a high motor. The thing with that is though, like, would you have guessed that Tyler Mott had that skill set when he first came to the Vancouver Canucks for that trade for? For Thomas Vanek, I think a lot of people expected Mott to really not even register on the Canucks's on the Canucks squad. You know, like he was kind of this guy that came out of nowhere. I, I think that I'm not trying to say that Highmore doesn't have skill, but I think a part of the reason why we were able to see some of that skill showcased a little bit more from Tyler Mott was because of that confidence, right? His confidence really grew as his role grew as well, and he really sort of felt more comfortable in his own skin almost, right? He was he was out there blocking shots on the PK. He was doing a great job on the fourth line when he was playing uh, down there at the end of last season uh, and obviously in the playoffs as well. And then that speed element, which is so crucial in today's National Hockey League, he absolutely excels at that. And then when we saw, when he had moments like he did in the bubble where he was able to sort of make that, you know, one-hand windmill Deke, I can't remember who it was against, but... I believe you know, I it, was it was Petrangelo, was it not? Yeah, I, I believe so. And, you know, just completely able to, you know, undress the captain of the Blues that back then. It, it, it's because of the confidence, I think, more so than the actual skill set. So I, I'm not saying that I, I agree with the texture, with, you know, Highmore being me being Tyler Mott, but I think that, you know, with, with more ability to really you know hone your skills on the bottom six and and really play your role i think that builds confidence in a player and that can go a long way and we've seen that with tyler mott definitely um when you look at when you look at mott he's kind of been given every opportunity to your point to to prove himself but with matthew highmore i don't i don't want to make a judgment on him yet like i i Give him next season, see if he finds a spot in the lineup, give him a full training camp with the team, and and hopefully he does become a Tyler Mott because, look, I think a lot a lot of Canucks fans would be happy if they just had a fourth line of three Mots, you know, and, and three guys that every once in a while can, can put a puck in the back of the net, but most of the time they're just being really sound defensive players, and that's kind of been the issue with the Canucks lately is they've just been, they've been trying to target those players, but they're paying way too much for that type of, uh, of bottom six forward. And, and that's been the issue. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, we get a text in six fifty six fifty. Hey, Rosh on Josh, if a team or teams would take on all of the GoPro league bottom six contracts, including Louie, but we have to give up Besser for nothing, would you do it? I think he meant all of the Canucks bottom six prospects, bottom six contracts instead of oh, GoPro League. I thought that was like a joke <laughs> about how they're not National Hockey League. But yeah, Canucks <laughs> bottom six contracts. <laughs> that um, makes more sense. Uh, also, want to correct you. He said, hey, Cher, called me Cher, not Raja. Yeah, and Cher. Elliot, which I guess is okay. I, I just, I thought it would be easier just to say our names. But anyway, yeah, would uh, you take it? So we're talking about Louis Erickson, which he obviously states in there. Brandon Sutter, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, uh, 
and anybody else I'm missing here? Uh, Jake, maybe. Yeah, you can make the case that Jake is in there. That that's probably about it. So mainly, I would, I would probably lean towards no, and the reason being is because they're already off the they're already off of the uh, the books soon, right? Brandon Sutter very well could have already played his final game with the Vancouver Canucks. Now, are they going to resign him because of you know the uncertainty at third line center? Maybe that's a real possibility, but also it's at the same time, you never know that, you know, he could possibly be off the books this year. And at the very least, he's not going to be making $4.25 million next year, right? Jay Beagle's still a couple of more years away. I I think you can live with those contracts still being on the books because there's such short term left on them now. Definitely. Yeah. If this was the beginning of like Louis Erickson's $6 million deal for six years, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Got to do what you got to do. But no, yeah, in this case, the team would be better. Sorry, go ahead. In this case, it would be terrible. Like, you've already lived through four and a half, five years or whatever it is of Louis Erickson. Like, if you gave up Brock Besser now to do it, (laughs) I think people would be very disappointed. Yeah, you just got to power through at this point. Um, And and Brock Besser, while he might not be the best player on the team, is in the top five players on the team. And, And... at this point, addition by subtraction just would not make any sense. No, it wouldn't. Roger Shergill, Josh Elliott, Wolf with you. It is Canucks Central at night on the official home of your Vancouver Canucks Sportsnet 650. We're asking you today, what's been the biggest disappointment for you this season? And what's the, the biggest highlight for you this season for the Vancouver Canucks as the team wins tonight? However, uh, Montreal picks up a point against the Edmonton Oilers and... As a result, the Vancouver Canucks will miss the postseason this year, mathematically eliminated after today, despite the victory. The biggest disappointment for me, Josh, I think probably goes right back to, you know, the very beginning of this season. Just the the lackadaisical sort of beginning of their of their season, right? I mean, you don't remember how great of a time it was in the bubble last year. It seems like that's so long ago. Uh, and, and I remember, you know, people this season saying things like, oh, bubble Demco, bubble Canucks. But there's one thing that like, that's one thing that I feel like never really happened. Like, sure, Thatcher Demko started off slow and then he was able to pick it up and he played like he did in the bubble. And, you know, we're at the point now where we're kind of used to that. Thatcher Demko, I think we all know what he is now. He's legitimately a starting netminder in the National Hockey league and a long time coming for the Vancouver Canucks. That's why they gave him that contract. But very rarely did we ever think at any time this season that this Canucks team was going to make a meaningful step towards actually contending for the playoff spot. Any momentum they ever had, Josh, was immediately gone, like almost the very next game. And and that to me is extremely disappointing. Definitely. Yeah, it's it was a lot of you win one and then you lose two. And there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of streaking, which you kind of need, especially it's okay to have a bit of a bad start even in a short season. But if you come back after that bad start and you, you string together five or six wins, that mm-hmm. goes a really long way into getting you back into the playoff picture. And yeah. even when we did talk playoffs and we did say, hey, maybe the Canucks can make a can make a run at it, it was always like, well, they're probably not going to. But if you look at this math, they still kind of have a chance. And it was always just 
It was always just way too out of reach. And all of that stems back to the beginning of the year, to your point. Well, exactly. And listen, and to your point, and the point that you made there, it makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because they, they won one, they lost one. They strung together a couple of wins, and then they would go on this big losing streak. And that's been the story of the season for me, right? Do you remember the first game of the year? They won 5-3 over Edmonton. Do you remember that game? Remember how happy everybody was? Do you remember Do you remember this from earlier in the year when everybody was sort of happy? Take a listen to this. To take the puck. Tyler Ennis tried to flip it out of the zone. Boer Horvat said no, and here's Tanner Pearson with a chance in close. And they score! Niels Hoaglander, it's time to hand out the sweets. Remember that? How everybody was so ecstatic that it is National Hockey League debut. Nils Hoaglander scores for the Vancouver Canucks. They won that game 5-3. What a great call, by the way, from my good friend Harnrein Singh. They won that game 5-3. And then what happened? Three straight losses. And, uh, you know, the, everybody was freaking out in Canucks Nation. Jim Benning was getting the hammer by Canucks fans. And, and then what? They, they seemed to, you know, steer the ship the right way. They strung together four wins in a row. And everybody's like, all right. We're starting to, you know, start piling away again and, and try and make this run for the postseason legitimate. And then they dropped six in a row. And Josh, they wouldn't win two in a row for another month That's after gross. that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's, I'm not disappointed in the fact that this team missed the postseason. Like, that's expected to happen. Anybody could have predicted that. Obviously, a lot of people did. But I'm disappointed in the lack of fight and effort that we saw from this team especially earlier on in the season. And that's something we saw a lot from them last year. They were they were the underdog going into every game. They were not expected to make the playoffs. And look, I know there's people that still argue right now that if the season had finished like normal and there wasn't the COVID bubble, they would not make the playoffs. And so you shouldn't have expected anything. But going into every game last season, the Canucks were viewed for the most part, as the team that should not be winning that game. But most of the time, they came out with a victory because they were outworking the other team. And they were they they had solid defensive structure, even, well, solid-ish defensive structure. And, <laughs> and they, they were kind of, they were well, solid. Great yeah, that too. And they were solid throughout their lineup for the most part. I mean, the bottom six was still an issue, but Elias Pettersson was doing great things. Quinn Hughes broke into the league and he was taking it over and it just seemed like a really good group and maybe there's something to be said about how many core pieces left over the offseason and when I say core pieces I mean guys that had just you mean been... Troy Stetcher don't you <laughs> yeah I mean Troy Stetcher <laughs> no I just mean guys that have been with the team for a while and that that plays a factor in the room like if you work in an establishment for for a few years and you're having a lot of fun your coworkers, you love them. And then all of a sudden, like three of the the most experienced, happy guys that you work with are gone. You're going to be a little, you're, you're still going to show up to work and you're going to do your job, but you're going to be a little dejected. And, and I know these guys are getting paid millions of dollars, but it's just kind of human nature to, to, yeah. to behave differently. And so I think Maybe that played a bit of a part, but yeah, we're just not seeing the same hardworking Vancouver Canucks we saw last season, and that's why they've kind of fallen to but where they are this what? year. 
you know what though these pe- these players they know it's a business they know players come and go and you're right you're you're going to feel a little upset if a guy that you know plays a significant role on your team you know leaves and, and you you don't necessarily get anybody back to replace that player and you know that that happens all the time in hockey and if players are going to be upset about that that's fine right they're human beings obviously they go through ups and downs emotionally through a, you know the rigors of a regular season and even the off season is, is very stressful for a lot of players as well right with the uncertainty of where you might play and contracts and whatever else it might be but at some point Josh don't you got to get over that especially you when you're you especially when you're trying to bounce back from a you know a a postseason that nobody predicted that you would have that that I think is is something to me. And, and listen, I don't mean to pin it all on the players, right? Because people that have texted in about this this being on Jim Benning, I think you obviously have merit to that. That is true. Jim Benning could have done a lot more to ensure the success of this team. There's there's blame to be pinned on, you know, Travis Green. Was he not motivating this team good enough earlier on in the year? But overall, I think this kind of comes down to, I, I don't know what it comes down to. I don't know what the reason was for, you know, their their slow start. But that to me is kind of where this story began and it's the same spot where it ends because they weren't able to find consistency, consistency in their game all season. Exactly. Yeah. And to your point, they have to... You have to get over it at some point in the season. And maybe if it was an 82-game year and, and they had this regular travel and everything, it would be it would be a little bit better. But every team is dealing with that right now, right? And it, it is a little bit tough when you have a lot of roster turnover. And, and look, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but it's a little bit tough when you have that much roster turnover and you have a bunch of new guys coming in and then you can't hang out outside of the rink or or do any of those team activities because those do matter. And I, I think going into this year, a lot of teams that were able to stick together for the most part based on, on the rosters they had last year had a bit more success this season just because they're they're more familiar with each other and they don't really need to, to grow those relationships. And so it's going to be a little bit interesting going into next season, whether or not the Vancouver Canucks gain a little bit more momentum. I mean, I think based on the talent on the roster, it would be a little bit tough for them to perform worse than they did this year, next season. But it, I think going into next year, we need to see though that that attitude come back of the Vancouver Canucks are the underdog and they, they need to act like they're the underdog and outwork every other team. It is Roger Shergill. It is Josh Elliott Wolf. Canucks Central at night is the show with you until 11 o'clock, 650-650. The Dunbar Lumber text line continue to get your thoughts in. We'll read your text throughout the entire show. Hey, who would be an NHL executive or former player or maybe even a current player? Somebody that you want to see in the broadcast booth for ESPN, an analyst, analyzing hockey games, or for TNT, as those two networks will be broadcasting National Hockey League games next year. I think Wayne Gretzky is a player that comes to mind, Kevin Bieksa. But who are some of the best, worst NHL analysts for hire?
for ESPN or TNT. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. It's Roger Shergill. It's Josh Elliott Wolf. It is Canucks Central at night on the official home of your Vancouver Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Raja Shergill and Josh Elliott-Wolf. Now here are your hosts, Raja and Josh. Welcome back. It is ESPN. Uh, no, it's not. No, wait, no. It's Canuck Central. It's Canuck Central at night. On Sportsnet. Sportsnet 650. The official home of the Vancouver Canucks. But do not be fooled. ESPN and TNT will have National Hockey League broadcasts next season. The two networks south of the border will be bringing hockey to Americans and trying to do so, obviously, in a very entertaining manner. And how do you you know, bring the entertainment, obviously, the inside the NBA type of Atmosphere, I guess, is something that a lot of people look at after hearing about TNT signing on. Uh, first of all, Josh, is that something that you would find, you know, interesting when it comes to hockey? You mean like having a inside the NBA thing? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the issue with the NHL and reaching new audiences has been just the lack of of personality, really, and it's it's kind of ingrained in the sport where. It's always uh, it's whenever you're doing an interview, you say we instead of I, and and you're never showboating, and it, it it's always a team sport, and that's where I think the NBA has succeeded. Is they they made it about the players, and, and I do think I I like that the NHL is about the team, but I do think there's a middle ground somewhere where we get a little bit more of these personalities, and part of that does have to do with the broadcasting as well. I think. And obviously we work for the company, but I think Sportsnet has been getting better at that lately with Kevin Bieksa joining the fold, Anthony Stewart, a couple former players that actually have personality and are, are super fun to listen to along with Jen- Jennifer Botterill and, and others. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air, and I think ESPN can maybe go even farther than that as well. Well, it would be great. It would be honestly you know, fantastic to see. And you know, a lot of people since uh, ESPN and TNT have signed on have talked about which kind of analysts would you want to have on that broadcast to really make it special, to really make it entertaining and, and give hockey fans south of the border something that, you know, they haven't seen before. And even us as Canadians, something that we haven't seen before either on our traditional hockey broadcast. So, you know, a lot of people have mentioned guys like Kevin Bieksa and, and Wayne Gretzky is a name thrown out there as well. Obviously the most recognizable hockey player on the planet, especially in the United States. Um, but I wonder who else could, you know, go on that broadcast to, to just make it entertaining. Forget about their sports knowledge, forget about their, you know, hockey knowledge necessarily, but who is somebody that can go on there and be an absolute dynamite uh, and just providing entertainment? Uh, you know, I think I'll, um, 
you know, I guess we'll call this the best worst NHL analyst because we don't know if, if they're going to be great or if they're not going to be if, if they're not going to be that good. But we know for sure they'll be entertaining. So I wonder who the best worst analysts would be, Josh. And I'll start with you. Like, who do you think that would be at the top of your list for the best worst NHL analyst for ESPN or TNT? So the best worst, and, and <laughs> I don't condone anything this player did, but Sean Avery, especially. Okay. Especially if you pair him with Martin Broder. And obviously, like, I don't know if it would be entertaining in a good way, but I think you would get a lot of hockey fans tuning in being like, oh, man, are they like, do they hate each other? What's going on here? And I'm sure Avery would say some stupid stuff. But that being said, I don't think you should be on TV. But I think it would be entertaining in a in a hate to watch kind of way. What about I think you? it would be. I think it would be. I think Sean Avery would be fantastic, and and you're right with the Marty Brodeur aspect. I don't even think of that. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah, he's waving a... a stick in front of his face, <laughs> coming back from a commercial. It'd be great. You, you would have a natural rivalry, uh, you know, happening on on stage in front of you. I think that would be great. The only problem is I don't think that they legitimately like each other, and it's been a very long time. So uh, I don't know. You're right, though. It would be very entertaining. Uh, I guess my pick. Uh, would be I got a couple of different ones, but I, I think number one pick would be would be this guy. The solar system is so humongous, big, right? But if you see the like our solar system and our galaxy and like on the side, you know, like it was so small, you can't even see it. Our galaxy is like huge, but if you see the big picture, our galaxy like small, tiny, like dot in the universe, like. And you think like, and we have some problems here on the earth we worry about. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Universe himself, Ilya Brizgalov, would be absolutely perfect It'd for this role. What did he? Yes. No, it, that'd be probably the best option. Ilya Brizgalov. I mean, like, if, if he could talk about, honestly, it, he doesn't even have to talk about whatever game he's covering. If he's just talk talking about, about the universe, course. yeah, if he like if they have Neil deGrasse Tyson on to talk to him <laughs> about the universe, I am I'm watching 100% of the time. I am I am all yeah. in on Ilya Brizgalov. Forget about yeah, forget about TNT and ESPN. Neil deGrasse Tyson and Ilya Brizgalov on like an episode of Hot Ones. It would be oh, it would be great. Just start a podcast with those two and it it'll do so, numbers. Talking about, it would just talking about science. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like exactly uh those two and you can even throw bill nye science guy in there um if if Ilya brisgalov doesn't get it or or if uh you know sean avery doesn't get it who's next on your list uh i'm going to go with aaron Rodgers, and Ooh, obviously Roger. he's not an nhl executive or former player but he's in the news he does not want to be on the green bay packers and he actually wants to be on TV, and at, like eventually, and I'm sure ESPN NHL analyst isn't high on his list. I'm sure he'd prefer Jeopardy, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, you, you got to take the steps to get there, right? So Aaron yeah, Rodgers, exactly. cut your teeth on the ESPN NHL broadcast. Give us some of your your best Wisconsin hockey takes and and pair him I'm with sure a big fan of Brock Besser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, probably not. Um, but that'll be—it just be such an easy way for him to transfer into TV. 
Well, yeah, no, you're right about that. I think Brock Besser is a is a Packers fan. Uh, now, but also, I decided uh, he isn't. Oh, okay, and that would just <laughs> that would just ruin his image for me. Did you think he was a Vikings fan because he's from Minnesota? So here's the thing. <laughs> I think oh, I've done research. I'm going to ruin your like. No, no, no. Uh, I've done. I've done because I remember hearing about this because I okay. I think back in his rookie year. So I think there was a situation where he was kind of a Vikings fan, but also kind of a Packers fan, which sounds awful. Um, yes. But I think he he came out and said Packers. So. But I, I just choose to believe that he's a Vikings fan because I am also a Vikings fan, and it makes me appreciate him as a player a little bit more. Maybe he's just a fantasy football fan, whichever, whichever you know. He's just a Devontae Adams guy, right? Exactly, exactly, right? So, I don't know. Uh, you're right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would be great. And I, one thing I agree with that about is that, come on, man, it's, it's a hard industry to, to really cut your teeth, and you got you to gotta work your way up, man. You can't just start with ESPN, you know, NBA coverage or National Football League coverage. We know hockey isn't high on the totem pole in the United States, so you got to start off with the NHL, man. That's how it works, right? Yeah, exactly. You got you to gotta work your way up. And if he doesn't want to put in the hours, I question his commitment. Exactly. Uh, after that one, Ilya Brzgalov, Sean Avery, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. How about this guy? He's just selfish. That's what he is. It's gotten so bad here. He's embarrassed himself. He's embarrassed his organization. More importantly, he's embarrassed his teammates who have to kind of look out for him here now. But it's the NHL. He's embarrassed the whole league. Send him home. You recognize that voice? He's a former, and he's got an experience, he is a former NHL analyst on a, uh, a different company here in this great company, uh, in this great country that we live in. Uh, not Sportsnet, another one. Haven't really heard of it. But <laughs> he... Some jabronis, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of it. But anyways, he did some analyst work on there, got his feet wet, got some experience, decided it, it wasn't good enough. Uh, you know, he, he would rather be a coach. He'd rather stick it out in the National Hockey League. Went back to coaching with the New York Rangers. He is Mr. John Tortorella, now once again a free agent. Needs something to do, remember? He got his he got his feet wet with the other company. Never liked it, but maybe he'll like it down in the United States with ESPN or TNT, man. Honestly, and I know we're joking about Ilya Bruzgalov and how how he'd be entertaining, but maybe not a great analyst. But like, I I don't know. I think that could be realistically like a guy that ESPN looks at and they're like, well, he's a has a fiery personality. He's already been an analyst, and he he has experience and he's been a coach in the NHL for a long time. So a, I think it would be extremely entertaining and B, I do think it is actually a good fit as well. We get a couple texts in about this too. Uh, Ian and Dunbar, Will Farrell. I mean, if he's free, I'm sure ESPN would love to have him. I know he's a, he's a big hockey guy. Didn't he? Uh, I, I swear he did color commentary on like a period of LA Kings hockey Lost, one time. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. hey, if you're talking LA Kings hockey, then you've got to get Snoop Dogg in there. Yeah, if, you, if you're committing to Will, Will Ferrell, get Snoop with him. Snoop will do anything. I mean... Uh, yeah. No, to Snoop... Have, uh, uh, Snoop has been everywhere. WWE events, boxing events, UFC events, hockey games. 
He's in the video game of EA Sports NHL, and I think a few different EA Sports games, even FIFA and Madden, I believe. Uh, he, Snoop Dogg is everywhere. Get him in the hockey broadcast in the United States. We could probably get him as a guest for our Friday 7 to 10 show. and and Yeah, like 11 p.m., He'll do it right before, you know, right before we go off the air. You know, he's in Los Angeles anyways, Pacific time. Yeah, he, he's down for whatever. So I think ESPN not only – so you get Will Ferrell and then Snoop Dogg will just hop on because he's, he's Snoop Dogg and he does, does whatever yeah, is offered kind. to him. Exactly. Um, I, I really like this text. Throw down Ray, uh, Ryan Whitney and Paul Biznasty Bizanet. I love Spittin' Chicklets, their podcast. I think they've got some great chemistry. They would be pretty awesome, I think, if, if you really wanted to get a mixture of some laughs in there, some stories in there, but also some some pretty good, like, uh, you know, hockey knowledge as well, breaking down the game, some good analysis. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan personally, but I can see the appeal and I can see the uh, – they, they would be entertaining, that's for sure. But I do wonder – I, I feel like they appeal to a hockey audience and people that are really into hockey, but they don't necessarily appeal to a casual viewer where they, that's kind of the audience ESPN and TNT will be trying to reach is the viewer that hasn't really watched hockey. And, and these guys, they know what they're talking about, but they throw around a lot of hockey terms and stuff. I don't know if it would, if it would really work for the <laughs> casual viewer. Well, that's the thing with the United States audience that is, you know, really going to, to try and get into hockey now. And, you know, obviously with the Seattle expansion team coming in as well, it, it's kind of teaching the game, right? And at hockey, as we know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, funny, I guess, sort of nuances in the game that we've just become accustomed to. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how and who exactly they hire to be the faces of ESPN and TNT to try and, you know, bring Americans this prod to this product and this broadcast that they're learning this game, but also uh, they're doing it in a very entertaining manner as well. Definitely. Yeah. It's, they definitely, they have to find somebody. And it's so it's, it's crazy because Shaq and Charles Barkley are two of the greatest NBA players in NBA history. So they got to, find those guys but then they're also super entertaining so it's like a weird balance that I don't even I don't think the NHL has that balance you know what I mean no I agree with you uh it is Roger Shurgill and it is Josh Elliott Wolf on the official home of your Vancouver Canucks one other guy uh Josh I think that we were talking about this before you said that could also be a great analyst is, is Jack Eichel uh the Buffalo Sabres captain obviously very uh you know, he he was outspoken today in his media availability in the in the exit interviews, talking to media about his future in Buffalo and what exactly, uh, you know, is next for Jack Eichel. Uh, I want to play a little bit of this and and we can get into the Jack Eichel conversation right before we get out of this the show tonight. Uh, Jack Eichel talking to media today uh, about his his future with the Buffalo Sabers and what what happened this season in Buffalo. You know, for sure, I, I, I would say I, I've been a bit upset about the way that things have been handled since I've been hurt. Um, I wouldn't uh, I'd be lying to say that, that things have, have moved smoothly since my injury. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's been uh, there's been a bit of a disconnect, I think, from from the organization a bit and, and myself. And, um, you know, it's been it's been tough at times. But, you know, right now for me, I think the. Uh, 
I think the most important thing is just trying to get healthy and figure out a way to be uh, available to play hockey next year, uh, you know, wherever that might be. I mean, um, I think, you know, the losing, losing stuff, it takes a toll. I think it's all perspective and yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what happens, Paul. It, it's, I think there's a lot to that question. I think in the situation that I'm in right now, you know, my main and, and number one focus has been to try and figure out a way to, you know, one, be cleared to play and, and two, just try and get myself in as good of condition to be, be ready to have a good year next year. That is the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, and I think the biggest, uh, I guess, talking point that came out of that clip and that interview was was the answer that ha- that he said right in the very beginning, right? The, a little bit of a disconnect. And obviously, when there's a star player, Josh, you're, you're going to just sort of you know hone in on that and just talk about um, what that means, especially regarding the amount of, I guess, trade chatter and rumors that have happened with Jack Eichel. Uh, but it seems like it's a little bit different this time because that wasn't one clip out of a 20 minute interview or whatever it was. There was multiple where he said, we'll see where I'm going to play next year or not saying exactly that, but saying something along the lines of, uh, you know, I just want to be healthy for next season, wherever that might be, or, you know, something along the lines where it's just a little bit, right. Just giving you a little hint of, uh, of foreshadowing perhaps, um, but it's interesting because you don't usually see that in the NHL and you don't usually see players that honest. But today's Jack Eichel uh, interview obviously took uh, took the NHL world by, by storm. Exactly. It's been something we've been talking about for a while and it seems imminent, whether it be to the New York Rangers or LA Kings or whatever, but we've reached the off season now. I think there was a, some thought that it might happen during the season, but we've reached the off season and this is where teams actually have the flexibility to maybe make some room for somebody like Jack Eichel. But yeah, you mentioned it. It, It's, there was a lot of moments, even in that clip where he could be like, even if I'm coming back to Buffalo or I hope my future is in Buffalo, there was nothing, there wasn't that, that comment from him that makes Sabres fans go, Oh, okay. He does want to stay because in the end, I think Eichel is, is a little more upfront about what he wants. And I think he wants to be in a big market, whether it be with the Kings or with the Rangers or with another team. And I think he wants to be on a team that if it's not already a contender is trending that way. And Mm -hmm. I know there's been a lot of talk on Canucks Twitter about what it would take to get him. And I, I do think that whenever these players are available, the the perceived value so let's say the Canucks were trying to make a trade offer I think the Buffalo Sabres would want Elias Pettersson but I don't think any team in the NHL is willing to offer anything like Elias Pettersson so I I think Buffalo goes into conversations expecting they'll get a certain amount of value for Jack Eichel but in these trade talks it always ends up being less than what we think when the eventual trade is made. Well, it's very hard to win a trade in which you're giving away arguably the best player, right? And and that's why a, a situation for, you know, Elias Pedersen doesn't make sense to me. And, and and if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan listening to this and you're thinking about potential trades with the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Pedersen is probably the player that you think of. But somebody who covers 
and talks about the Vancouver Canucks on a day-in and day-out basis like you and I do and all the fans here do, I think we understand that it doesn't make sense to offer Pedersen in a trade for Eichel. And I think it doesn't make sense for both teams. Number one, I think if the Canucks were to give Pedersen in that sort of deal, what else are they going to give? Like, you're not giving much else. And is that attractive to you if you're Buffalo? Are you okay with almost a one-on-one type trade? I don't think so, right? And if you're the Canucks, you sure as hell aren't giving up much more than a Pedersen, even if you do believe that Eichel's a better player. And so the other sort of package, I guess, would have to be either one that, you know, the Los Angeles Kings or the New York Rangers can give up, which include a, a, a crap ton of futures and a fistful of maybes and and you know very high-end maybes obviously players that have a a very good chance of of playing for you and making a significant impact for you but still maybes nonetheless uh or there's more a more of a proven package and and i guess if you're the canucks it would include guys like brock besser it would include guys like jt miller and bo horvat and on top of that futures so you know, it's it's never a win-win for teams that are trading Jack Eichel. You know, again, if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, you might look at that and say, yeah, no thanks. But at the same time, the situation that has been in Buffalo for so long, it, it, they might not really have a choice at this point. Definitely. it's it's They're going to get to a point where they just kind of have to take the max offer they can get. And I... The thing is, there isn't really a deadline for them to get this deal done. I mean, as much as Jack Eichel has kind of made it public that he wants out or as public as a hockey player makes it, have a no trade clause, have a no movement clause. And that, that was part of the contract. He signed the contract in Buffalo. And if in the end, the offer doesn't come up, Buffalo doesn't have to trade him. But that being said, it, it does seem to be trending to a point where Probably this summer, and and for hockey's sake, I hope it does happen just for the the entertainment factor of it because we we rarely see players like this get moved. It's yeah, it seems like there's going to be a deadline this summer, and, and they're just going to kind of have to take what they can get. But that being said, there is going to be an offer that is worthwhile. I think just depends on what team that's coming from. I think so, too. It'll be a very interesting offseason in the National Hockey League. It definitely will be for the Vancouver Canucks when it comes to, you know, filling holes on their roster and also addressing their head coach situation. What is happening with Travis Green? Still lots of question marks surrounding that as well. Uh, I'm Roger Sergio. He's Josh Elliott-Wolf. This has been Canucks Central at night. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Vancouver Canucks victorious today over the Winnipeg Jets. A 3-1 win. Nils Hoaglander scoring two goals. However... A point for the Montreal Canadiens clinches a spot for the Habs in the playoffs. Vancouver Canucks officially eliminated from playoff contention. Still a handful of games to go for the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to be in a situation where there's regular season hockey and there's playoff hockey being played on the exact same day. Man, COVID-19 is weird. Hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and enjoyed the game. Keep it tuned right here. You're on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. This is Sportsnet 650.